Hello everybody, and welcome once again to Detect and Protect, the Australian Biosecurity Podcast. I'm your guest host, Casey Baines, and today we dive right back into our special series celebrating last year's 30th anniversary of the Biosecurity Detector Dog Program. The program plays a vital role in the interception of biosecurity risks in the airport, mail, and cargo environments. The Detector Dog's excellent agility and super noses makes them one of our most effective and lovable detection methods. Our guest for today's podcast is Dee Apps. Dee was one of the first few detector dog handlers with a stunning career starting from 1993, one year after the program established, up until 2010. In this interview, Dee shares a few stories from her time as a detector dog handler, including training, interesting seizures with her detector dog Jesse, and even a few celebrity run-ins. She also gives some wise words of advice for new handlers and shares some qualities of a detector dog handler. Okay, enough from me, time to start talking to Dee. First of all, um, just a big thank you, Dee, for joining us. Um, we both know that the tech dogs are, are one of the department's greatest tools in finding biosecurity risks and detecting things, and they're definitely one of our cutest tools as well. So why don't you just start off by um, giving us an overview of who you are, how you got into the program, um, and where you were deployed? Um, yeah, certainly. Hi, Casey. Thanks for having me. It's uh, just firstly like to wish all the past and present dog handlers a happy 30th anniversary, um, especially Rachel and Harold, who paved the way for the rest of us to come. And of course, our program manager, Bob, who, you know, set the program in motion. Uh, you know, we are on the front line, but there's a whole group of people behind the scenes that help run the program. And I'd just like to send a special mention, if I may, to the kennel staff at Eastern Creek that looked after our detector dogs, because we ended up with like 65 dogs there. So it was a big job, and they were a huge part of the uh, of the success of the program as well. But yeah, I'm Jean. I actually joined AQUIS as it was then, which was the Australian Quarantine and Inspection Service in 1980 uh, working at the animal quarantine station at Eastern Creek um, and was lucky enough through a colleague of, of mine Ray at, uh, um, at Eastern Creek who heard about the dog program and said oh I think you'd like this so I thought oh, this sounds fabulous what a great thing to get in on sort of on the on the, the foundation of a, of a, a new concept uh, for the department. Yeah. Uh, so that was so in 1993 I was successful enough to get um, get the position. Uh, I spent two months training in Brisbane um, with our American, American trainer there, Colvin Branica, and um, yeah. and then was after two months, um, Eva and I were deployed back to our home um, base at Sydney Air, International Airport. Mm -hmm. um, so there I joined Rachel, who was our first detector dog handler. Um, her and Melody, and um, yeah, so we both had female dogs, so it was girl power all the way in Sydney. Oh, nice. <laughs> and can you tell us a little bit more about your dog? Uh, I assume, given the program started as the Beagle Brigade, uh, it was a Beagle. Did she have yeah. any quirks to her or anything like that uh, that she exactly. liked? Exactly. Yeah, she was, um, uh, my first dog was ever because she yeah. got replaced uh, later in the year. She I uh, had a bit of an issue with responding to targets. In training, she was fine. She would sit constantly. Once she got yep. into the field, there was she was a bit distracted. She would maybe have a slight change of behaviour that you could put up, but it 
um, it was quite difficult to read her at times. And she ended up getting uh, withdrawn from the program. She also had some health issues, so she went uh, she went to a lovely home. And so then I got That's Jessie. Great. Uh, Jesse was the cutest beagle ever, and um, <laughs> Jesse was deployed from 1994 to 2003. Um, right, okay. A long career, because now um, our Labradors that we have in the program now only usually serve six to eight years, so nine-year career for Jesse sounds pretty yeah. impressive. Yeah, um, well, she actually lived to almost 18, so uh, she was quite remarkable. Wow. Yeah. And and to talk about Ava, that, that's a good point to emphasise that uh, the tax dog program really is the very best of the best. So um, going through the training and having uh, great responses to sit, um, even when they get out, we can find that dogs might not be suitable and they might be better to be rehomed or something like that, uh, rather than going through to be part of the program to to be a detector dog. So good to hear. Um, it, it takes a certain kind of dog. I used to go yeah, for sure. through what we call then road testing. Beagles mm -hmm. be offered to us by the public, and yep. I would we like had a criteria where we would take them to a shopping centre, railway station, somewhere busy, see how they reacted to various environments. Because a lot yep. of them hadn't spent most of their lives in the backyard, so when you got out, they were just totally overwhelmed by what was happening in the big world. So. Um, so it took yeah, a special, sure. really outgoing kind of beagle that was what we call bomb-proof. It didn't matter what noise oh, you right. threw at it or where you took it. Um, they they were just quite happy to trot along beside you. Yeah, it's really a change of environment if they're coming from uh, backyards and things like that. So nowadays, our detector program, we get all of our Labradors through the ABF breeding facility. Um, but back in, in the mid-'90s, the dogs, were they being gifted to the department by, by people of the public or how did they go? Yeah, mainly, um, and I don't know if you had much to do with beagles, but they're making yep. quite hard to live with. <laughs> yep. They're a natural hunting dog, they're a hound, so they use their nose and also they have mm -hmm. an amazing food drive. They'll eat anything and everything inside. So for what we wanted, it was like working in beagle heaven. You've got to use your nose and yeah. you've got to get the <laughs> when you find anything. Yeah, we actually sure. ran a bad beagles campaign one year and we had over a thousand phone calls with wow. I think my dog would be suitable. And I'd go out to various homes, beautiful yeah. homes. You go out into the garden, there was holes everywhere, there was concrete blocking <laughs> up holes where the beagles just dug underneath. I actually went to one place and wow. the guy said I had a beautiful fountain down the back, but the dog under the dog dug underneath it so much that it fell down and it was propped up against the wall. Oh, no. <laughs> Girl, please take the dog. I want to get my garden back. I said, well, I have to see if it's going to be suitable to the program first. Yeah. Were, were a lot of those dogs suitable for the program? Because the one thing about being a detector dog is they're constantly working, they're going going through. So dogs that might not be suitable to being left alone in the backyard or they might have been more suitable for the program? Was, uh, or not, was, did you find when you went through that process, not so much? Not so much. Dogs that had been yeah. like out and well socialised, which were the kind of dogs we mm -hmm. were looking for, but what we were looking for mainly was a dog, a beagle with a great food drive that, you know, you might throw right. a biscuit right. under a lot of shopping trolleys and it's going to get under there to get that piece of biscuit, whatever. 
Whereas if you've yeah, got it sure. just stand there and goes, hey, go and get it for me, would it? Oh, that's, that's not kind yeah. of what we were looking for. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, so what what initially attracted you to the role of being a detective? Okay, well, was it just something new and you loved dogs? Uh, well, I've always um, worked with dogs. I've worked with dogs and the blind in the UK. Um, and then when I emigrated yeah. to Australia, I got um, worked in a number of big breeding and show kennels. And then, of course, as I said, yeah. went to work at Eastern Creek, where I worked for 13 years. So I've always been around handling yeah. dogs and involved with dogs. So when this when this position yeah. came up, it was like a bit like you know, doggy heaven as well, you know, what you get to job, yeah. an initial, you know, an exciting environment, which was so different from, you know, what I've been used to. Yeah, for sure. And, and noting that it was really exciting for you, can you maybe narrow down one or two things that you thought might have been the best, best part of being a detective again? Oh my goodness, there was so many things that, you know, I never thought <laughs> I would be doing, um, you know, especially yeah. working with dogs. I mean, normally dogs with animals, you, you didn't do it for the money, you did it because you loved dogs, horses or, or whatever. So um, yeah. to be uh, to be involved in a, a new program as well, I mean, we had the trial program, which proved to be so successful that the department decided to you know, to implement it full time. And, um, you know, I guess because it was such a new program, there was so much interest in it, um, so much publicity. We did a lot of talks and demonstrations, um, always having yep. groups of um, agencies come from overseas to have a look at how the program was run and how the, how the Beagles worked. So you were it was quite interesting to suddenly find yourself appearing on TV and, and giving yeah. a talk and demonstration or being at a holiday and travel show and talking to like 800 people in a crowd. It was like, my gosh, I never wow. imagined I'd be doing anything like yeah. this at all. Um, so you mentioned that you had other countries coming to learn about our program and when the program started the first pilot we worked with um the american department of agriculture i think um was the program i mean it, it's a world standard it seems at the moment but to start off with were we trying to catch up or were you and the team building new processes that were world leading at the time well, I think obviously the United States have been using dogs for agricultural products for a number of years, um, and that was how we yeah. were, the department was fortunate enough to engage the services. Colin Branica, one of their trainers who came over, <laughs> um, also Hawaii, Canada and New Zealand all used beagles. So for a lot of travellers, it would be, oh, there's the food dog, because, you know, they associate them with finding yeah. food stuff. So... The beagle was sort of recognised as the agricultural product dogs around the country, but it, obviously to yeah. Australian travellers, they had never encountered them at the airport before, so they generated a lot of interest. Yeah. And whenever you were down on the floor working, everybody was looking at you. And, of course, people often thought it was a drug dog, so, you know, they'd be horrified yep. when the dog sat at them, like, you know, all the passengers would go, oh, my God, she's got drugs, and no, we're looking for food products. But... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, you used to get some quite funny responses from, from people. And because people yeah. often were quite 
frightened of dogs, and of course, the bit, which was one of the reasons again for using the beagle, because really they don't come much cuter, and they're quite Definitely. small, so they're not too threatening for passengers. Though we would have passengers that would scream if the dog came anywhere near them, and try and back away. Wow. Um, especially yeah. a lot of countries that have rabies and dogs are unclean, so yeah. that's probably a, a part of it. You know, of the, obviously we'd gone down with a rottweiler, the response might have been a bit different. Yeah, very true, and we're very lucky in Australia that we don't have rabies, and that's one of the things um, that we work so hard as a biosecurity agency to keep out of Australia. Um, you were mentioning the reaction of travellers towards the dogs. On the other end of the spectrum, uh, it must have been sort of a common occurrence, I assume, of people almost running up to try and try and pat and detect a dog. Can you talk us about um, what sort of protocols you have as a handler to to have your dog and if travellers come up to them? Yeah, we, we certainly, you know, um, especially tired mums with a couple of kids would see the dog mm -hmm. and go, oh, go play with the dog. Um, <laughs> yeah. enough of them after 26 hours on an aircraft <laughs> but uh, yeah. yeah we would always say look you know the dog's working you know when I finish working you might you can come over and say hello but when um, when we're working around the passengers uh, then you know she's a working dog and she's got to concentrate on what she what what she's doing but you would get some funny responses with you'd be approaching a passenger with the dog and they go that's not my dog I go, like, we go, no, ma'am, that's mine. It's just Or, could your dog find my husband? I've lost him. <laughs> uh, very good. Um, so, when you think back on your career as a handler, do you have one go-to story that you usually tell to people? Do you have a specifically interesting find or an interesting occurrence that you think of? There's, there's, there's a, there's a couple. Um, one, um, especially uh, a very large Russian gentleman who um, mm -hmm. was the Aeroflot flight, and of course spoke no English at all, but had this right. black garbage bag with him, which Jesse alerted to. And of course, I'm trying to indicate, get out to him, what is he carrying in the bag? And like he was a huge, great man. And I indicated I was going to have a look. So I opened this garbage bag. There was this enormous teddy bear. And at the bottom was like about a two kilo chunk of meat, not wrapped up in anything. Yeah, it's amazing what people brought into the country. Mm. It was like, I know a lot of people brought stuff from home, you know, maybe to family they were visiting that they were used to having in wherever they live. But of course, a lot yeah. of it's not allowed into the country. As a dog handler, I think that would probably give you a, a bit of an in to try and start conversations with passengers a lot as well. Um, to say that Jesse's reacted to them or things like yeah. that. Mostly yeah. the reaction was fabulous. You know, people were quite excited when the dog actually found something. And, you know, we go, oh, look, Doris, this dog's found what I had in this apple or banana <laughs> in my bag. Um, and yeah. other people would go, you know, the dog would, I had this one passenger. Um, obviously, a, a businesswoman dog alerted to a briefcase. I said, good afternoon, ma'am. Are you carrying any apples or bananas? And she said, no. I said, well, I just need to have a look. My dog's alerted, opened the briefcase, and she had an orange there. And I said, I just asked you if you were carrying any fruit. She said, you didn't ask me if I was carrying an orange. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy yeah it's it's very important that um 
everyone realizes that things that might be everyday items to them, fruit, meat, that sort of thing, can bring in such um, devastating pests and diseases, foot and mouth disease, African swine fever, um, citrus canker on fruit, things like that. So exactly. um, I think it's amazingly important work that the handlers do. And when you explain to them why you were taking it because of the disease risk for the country, that you yeah. know, they were quite compliant, but obviously, you know, and especially if it was mums or the kids, you could always guarantee there was a banana somewhere in the bag because it's a nice fruit for children. Yeah, <laughs> so. yeah for sure. And when you've been travelling for sometimes two days at a time, um, you've got to realise that people sometimes stick things at the bottom of the bags and that's what we're here for, to find them. And at the same time, we're there to prompt people to make sure they declare everything that they have so, so we can make sure the items don't come through. Yes, exactly. Um, in the early okay. days, that's why we did a lot of PR, because A, people yeah. uh, were interested in the dogs, but it also was a good tool to explain to the public why they why what they did and why they were doing it and what items weren't allowed into the country. So, you know, we got tremendous um, public relations from the dog program when it first started, but was an excellent um, way to, to get their message across to people about why it's important to declare these items before coming into the country. Yeah, for sure. And you mentioned that you had lots of different appearances and public relations. Was there one particularly that stands out or someone particularly famous that you met or were able to clear as a handle? I, I guess there was obviously always famous people coming through the airport yeah. and they went through the VIP route. Mm -hmm. so I was working an American flight once and because generally you're, you're looking at the dog you're, you're mainly seeing feet and bags and making sure your dog's safe and you can get in and around the passengers. So Definitely. That's the best the thing. dog stops and alerts that you actually make eye contact with the passenger. And it was Keanu Reeves. The oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> wow, that's impressive. bag previously. But I would say the most famous was Sir William Dean, our Governor-General. Oh, um, right, yeah. I'd actually met him, um, Jess and I went down um, to the launch of the science festival in Canberra and yeah. the launch itself was held in the Great Hall of Parliament House mm -hmm. and Sir William Dean, we'd put, uh, some beef jerky had been put in his pocket and obviously he was sat in the line right. and I had to walk, walk Jess along and she alerted mm -hmm. to um, to his pocket, and there's a lot. I think there's a lovely picture in the Canberra Times of you know her going oh, yeah. up and sniffing the governor's pocket, and also I was a bit nervous. It was like snooty dog arrest GG, and I thought she's <laughs> snooty about. Oh, definitely not. You can never control what the headline's going to be. I got got to talk to Sir William and Lady Dean afterwards, an absolutely lovely couple, and they obviously government house, and as you know, been from Canberra, there's a lot of kangaroos around there. Yeah. They had the German Shepherd, which was quite prone to chasing the kangaroos. About. Oh, right. <laughs> but, um, about a year later, I was waiting on the floor for my flight to come down, and this was just before mm -hmm. the Olympics, this was in 1999, and um, yep. Sir William Dean was part of a delegation that had been to Greece for the Olympics and as he came back through he was down at the bottom of the carousel 
and I was waiting at the shop and he actually came over and said hello to me um, and remembered me. That was very yeah. special of all the people he meets during, you know, during his time as Governor General. For so sure, that, that yeah. was special, yeah. That's probably a lot of respect for the role that you do and the rest of the handlers do as part of a biosecurity force. Um, exactly, yes. Yeah. We've, we've talked about um, some of the attributes that make a good detector dog and the ability to hunt and the food response. Um, when you think back, can you think of a few attributes that might make a really good handler for people that might want to apply in the future? Um, well, I think certainly a lot of the... Um, staff that have come through to join the detector rock program have come through the animal quarantine they've been you know yeah. working at animal quarantine stations and also found a lot of us of our handlers also have horses have a big interest in in you know, right. training horses mm -hmm. riding horses so those kind of um, attributes you know able to read an animal's behavior um, know how yep. to how to bond, how to train, and because mm -hmm. obviously as a detected dog handler, you're responsible for your dog's safety, health and well-being. And, Definitely. And so obviously if you're going to pick up your dog in the morning and you have worked with animals and obviously know your own dog that well, you should be yeah. able to go in and instantly see, okay, well, there's something wrong here this morning, you know, coat's yeah. not the eyes are a bit dull um you know they can't bring in sick like we do so it's up to us definitely to yeah. make sure that you know they're fit and healthy so having that background in dog in handling dogs especially eastern creek where you work with so many different breeds yeah uh, you get you, you just instantly get that feeling or just just by looking at your dog you know that you know there's there's something going on here yeah for sure um and you mentioned the start of your day to go and go and pick up your dog uh, from the kennel. Can you just run through what a, a day would look like working as a handler? Uh, yeah, um, obviously yeah. I did AM shifts for the first year I was at um, <laughs> Sydney Airport. Um, so I'd arrive at the kennels about five o'clock, um, let Jesso uh, into the exercise yard for go to for, to the toilet. Um, yeah. Take a coat off because if it was winter it gets quite cool at eastern creek so the dogs will wear coats at night thick padded yeah. coats mm -hmm. so then you hop, put her up on the table just run my hands over and make sure was all right no her, just yeah. feel her feet make sure she wasn't sensitive about her, her paws just check her ears make mm -hmm. sure she's got no ear infections look at her eyes make sure she looked nice and fit and healthy and then yeah. pop in the van and off to the airport yep yeah. and then and then once you went to the airport was it just Screening passengers the whole time. Are there other duties that a handler has? Um, to begin with, um, obviously, because I hadn't worked at the international airport, I'd come from Eastern Creek. I obviously had to learn all the rules and regulations and identify yep. products that are coming into the country. So I'd work just probably until about 11, then spend an hour and a half, two hours studying for my quarantine exam. Oh, right. Yep. <laughs> you could pass that. Wow. Um, when you think back on your time as a handler, are there things that you might have changed or things that you might have focused on differently or anything like that? Um, I don't think so. And I think because with the program being so new, there was lots mm -hmm. of 
first, you know, we obviously, especially Rachel when she was anyone there, you know, you had to sort of work things out for yourself. But obviously Mm -hmm. as the program got bigger and more handlers came on board, um, and there was there was sort of not so much back out, but you know, you had other like when I joined Rachel, like she was a great mentor to me, but we also could discuss issues we were having with our dogs with one another was you know and then as more handlers came on board um and then you know more we had we were able to have training days together and and things like that we could work on dog was alert into chocolate you you know you make sure Mm -hmm. you got lots of chocolate in the bag so 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 the dog doesn't alert Though it's quite easy to train them on the items you want them to find, you can imagine passengers coming in with so much foodstuffs mm-hmm. in their bag, which a lot of it is allowed. Yeah, sure. Um, yep. So there's, you know, you get, and even you get le- lemon-scented shampoo and bread and donuts and cakes and uh, biscuits yeah. and chocolate. So, you know, for the dog then to distinguish what it's looking for between, you know, in all that, but it can be pretty frustrating too as a dog handler. You might have days yep. where, you know, maybe you should have gone to bed a bit earlier as well. Because <laughs> 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 she works quite tiring. <laughs> oh, for sure. But I I imagine as a handler, the next day you come in, your face would just light up every time you saw Jesse saw your dog again, right? Yeah. And the thing is, yeah. like every day was exciting. You didn't know what passengers you were going to encounter, whether you're going to make a great seizure, who might come through the airport. So yeah. every day was different. You're dealing with people from different languages, different cultures. So mm-hmm. it was never, yeah. never a boring job, that's for sure. Yeah, for sure. Um, have... Just thinking after you finish your t- time in the detective dog program, and I know you absolutely love dogs, have you um, followed the progress of the detective dog handler? Have you have you bought into more of our biosecurity practices now have changed from ACLIS to biosecurity or follow anything like that? Um, yeah, I've certainly, you know, and obviously kept in touch with, with some of my handlers from the program and they would fill me in, you know, how, what changes are going on and um and of course you know a lot of things that we did then you know it's probably you know not even happening in the program now yeah. you know the way that uh, we operate um you know a lot of the dog teams i think are now delivered to the airport the handlers don't go to the kennels so there's probably mm-hmm. quite a lot of change from when i was in the program um yeah, but i think still the the joy of working with a dog is is um far outweighs any negative oh definitely you know, and like a happy face to see you in the morning and a wagging tail <laughs> exactly every single day is the best thing about dogs um and you mentioned that you when you finished you heard back more information from your colleagues did you really have a good sense of community uh, as a small group of handlers i feel like that probably would have been one of the big draw cards Yes, it, it was lovely, yeah. you know, and especially because I was in the program for so long, you know, um, handlers would come in and, you know, not just through the work environment, but you would see them get married and have children. So yeah. it was like this, you were part of like this one big family anyway. And it is yeah. such a specialised job, especially at the beginning, there was just Rachel and Harold. They were the yeah. two handlers in Australia. So then um, to have more and more teams come on board. And then, of course, we, the active program um, got running as well with our active dogs yeah. working 
looking at the mail exchanges. So it was um, it was just a it was really a pleasure to go to work every day. Yeah, for sure. Um, we're getting close to our time, Dee. Um, but one final question for you: um, Would you think about your your time through the program? Would you have any advice for anyone who might want to become a detective handler in the future? Um, well, it, it's it's certainly a great job. I think certainly you need great yeah. communication skills um, and yeah. also great observation skills. You know, you need mm -hmm. to be aware of what's going on at the floor. Is there anything that might harm your dog? Is there a passenger in some weird outfit that the dog's going to freak out at? Um, and um, a sense of humour is really handy as well. <laughs> definitely, yep. <laughs> but, but obviously, because you represented the department, and I think you probably not at the time realised how much people are, are watching what you do, obviously yeah. be professional and you know, do your job with integrity as well. Definitely. Um, but it's it's such a rewarding job to be in. I mean, the opportunity has given me to not only work in Sydney, but in Cairns, um, in Brisbane. You know, I attended the International Detector Dog Conference, the first one ever in New Zealand. Yeah. Been to Parliament House, worked screen President Bush, um, screened Olympics and Com Commonwealth Games team, you know, things yeah. I've never imagined I would ever be doing. Yeah, wow. Sounds like such a wonderful career. Um, before, before we do wrap up, is there anything in particular that I haven't asked about that you'd love to tell um, uh, everyone? I know you said, I think one of the questions was about um, a most interesting seizure or... Yeah. Um, yeah, I was working Jess um, over in Hall C and she suddenly got an air sent, her nose went up and, and off we went to completely round to the other side of the carousel. And there was only a couple of passengers there and the, the one guy she was heading towards didn't even have a bag with him. I go, what's going on here? Has he got something in his pocket? And she instantly went up, sniffed at his shoes and sat and he'd what had happened, he'd got one leaf stuck between his shoelaces. He hadn't even noticed. He'd been out walking before he flew across uh, America and hadn't realised he'd got this leaf stuck in his in his shoelace, which just wow. just blew me away. Because people think, oh, when you make a big seizure, but it's like the couple of grapes that they find or grapevine cutting in somebody's pocket there that just yeah. blows you away as well. Yeah, for sure. And that that tells you, one, how absolutely fabulous the noses of dogs are and how uh, their ability to find something so small. And then, two, just how sometimes it doesn't have to be a deliberate act. Everything still poses a biosecurity risk and we need to make sure we control everything. Yes. So, yeah. Exactly. And when you consider all the other scents that are going around in an airport, when you maybe got 400 mm -hmm. Passengers at the carousels, all carrying yeah. often from different countries. Uh, you know, it never ceases to blow you away how amazing the, the beagles were, and it was just such yeah, a sure. come in at the on the ground floor of the of as the beagle gate, as you said, as we were known then. Um, yep. Fabulous job, absolutely loved it. Yeah, for sure. Well, um, we might call it a wrap there. I just want to say thank you so much for taking your time out of your day, Dee, to tell us some of your stories through the program um, and to be part of our 30th anniversary. It's amazing that the Detective Dog program has made it that far and I'm sure it will probably make it that far again with how amazing it is. Yeah. I'm so sure. thank you again. Thank you.
my pleasure. You know, the, the Beagle, pro the Detected Dog program was such a huge part of my life. My studies follow everything Beagle. <laughs> so, <laughs> It's, uh, it, it was just a joy to work there, and thanks, Casey, for the time to just talk about my my time with the program. Yeah, such amazing stories. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode of Detect and Protect. You can find out more information on the department's website or by visiting biosecurity.gov.au. Make sure you subscribe to our podcast series to get updates on future topics and learn more about Australian biosecurity. Also, be sure to follow us on our social media pages. Thanks very much for listening, everyone, and we'll catch you on the next episode of Detect and Protect. <laughs>